great, great song. Great communion. Thank you, Andrew. Worship team, thanks as always. That, that is in the heart of what we're talking about this morning. Humility. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's, uh, it's one of the greatest concepts ever, and it's right in the heart of our series that we're entitling Red, Radical Every Day. I first got introduced to this concept of the, the red letters of Jesus being put in an acrostic for Radical Every Day. Uh, a few years ago in our campus ministry, our campus ministry staff put that together as a theme for their Tuesday Night Live midweeks. And I remember going there, I was there frequently, and saw the impact that it had so, on so many of our students, but also on so many people that were guests and visiting with us, and then to see dozens of people that, that that semester make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, humble themselves, be baptized into Christ, and for, for God to be able to lift them up. It was really, really pretty inspiring. And Jordan, in some side conversations, mentioned something to me almost as an aside that stuck with, you know, with me in, in a very personal way. And he said, you know, there are a lot of great people who have a lot of great insight and a lot of great wisdom and can offer a lot of words but only Jesus's words are in red. And of course, what he's referring to is that in many versions of the Bible, uh, all of the, the normal scriptures are, you know, in, in, in black text, and the words of Jesus are, you know, are in red. And I think it's probably a really good idea. We've talked about this in our curriculum committee uh, uh, meeting to remind all of us that all of the scripture is inspired, the black letters and the red letters. And with this passage that I think many of us are familiar with, it lets us know that all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful. And notice how he phrases this. They're useful for what? For, for correction, for teaching, for rebuking even, and for training so that all God's men and women can be perfectly equipped and, and mature for every good work. That's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. And we're going we're gonna to be uh, focusing on this concept of humility. It was so funny, this morning I was reading in Isaiah and just going through, you know, just in my own personal quiet time, and I, I mentioned to Kelly, Kelly, you got to come look at this verse. And it was in Isaiah chapter 66, and it talked about, God said, where is my throne and where do I reside? And then he goes on to say, I reside in the heart of the humble and with those who tremble at my word. Wow, is that important to be able to remember that God is our heavenly Father. Jesus unveiled for that for us so clearly. But he is also Lord. He's Yahweh. He has things to say, and his word is to be revered. It's not to be neglected. It's not to be viewed in a casual way. And that's important and why the entire scope of the Scriptures will help us have this, you know, this, this kind of focus. You know, but this morning, we're talking specifically on radical everyday, on humility, or as we kind of said, lowered, because Jesus lowered himself, you know, um, when he became a human being and emptied himself to become one of us and to die on the cross for us. We'll get to that, that towering passage in, in, in Philippians chapter 2 in just a minute. And you definitely will not 
not want to leave the service early today. There are some really special things going on, you know, in the middle of this and also at the end of the lesson that, that you're going to want to be a part of and you're going to want to see. The, uh, there is, uh, however, something about just the straight-up red letters, words of Jesus, that all the Bible is inspired, but the words of Jesus just cut to our heart, and they penetrate, and they lift us up, and they inspire, inspire us. And we first hit this, well, I remember our first memory scripture that we had months ago when we started memorizing the scripture together with all of us here in the auditorium. It was from a passage in Luke as, as the, the, a couple of disciples were reflecting on the red-letter words of Jesus that he was speaking to them after the resurrection. And, and we memorize this first. Were not our hearts... Can, can you fill in that blank if you remember it? Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and he opened the Scriptures to us? There's something about the words of Jesus. You've heard it before They've heard Jesus say those things before, illustrated with parables, but there was something when the light went on and they truly got it and their hearts became ablaze with the words of Jesus. And that's what we're hoping at the beginning part of this sermon or this lesson to, to help us feel the same. Now, Jesus, first of all, he starts uh, on this this theme of, you know, of humility in, uh, in the very first Beatitude, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And this word, you know, humility and, and different words that are translated humility occurs a hundred times in the Bible, and its, its companion or its antithesis, pride, occurs in the same way a hundred or more times in the Scriptures, particularly in great places like the book of Proverbs, etc. We'll look at a couple of those this morning. But Jesus starts off by saying, Blessed or happy are those who are poor in spirit or humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we do know this upside-down lifestyle that Jesus taught gives us blessedness or happiness, and that's what that word means, blessed or happy. But there are greater stakes than just our own personal happiness here. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. We're actually talking about heaven being a part of God's kingdom. I remember as a young campus minister, I was in Colorado, Kelly and I, and you know, when I, I was on campus a lot and being challenged in different ways by what I believed and what I taught, not just from a kind of nominal Christian point of view, but from a very intellectual, you know, academic, you know, point of view. And, and I decided I've got to really zero in on what is absolutely essential. Because a couple of times in Bible study, somebody would ask me, well, Tom, okay, bottom line it. You know, tell me not just what I have to do to get into God's kingdom or to be right with God, but, but lay it out for me what absolutely I cannot do in order to make it into the kingdom of heaven. And so I dug into the red letters of Jesus, and let me just highlight a, a couple of them, the last one of which is exactly what Andrew opened up and, and opened our hearts on with communion a little bit earlier. Here's what Jesus says. He goes, for I tell you the truth, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never 
enter the kingdom of God. That should get our attention and help us to realize there's way more than just being religious and even knowing the Bible and being, you know, orthodox or conservative or however you want to put it, you know, fastidious, you know. There's a lot more than just knowing and trying to put the Bible into practice. There's, got to, there's a heart that's really essential to be able to have our, you know, it's not just we're going to be a weak Christian or might have a struggle in our life, but we're just not going to make it. Now, there's another very familiar one, all, using exactly the same language. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, nobody can enter the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, your translation may say, unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. It's an absolute essential. You must be born again in a, the right way, in the biblical way, with the water and the Spirit. And then there's this, this one that uh, Andrew did such a great job introducing. It's, uh, it's an interesting passage because it starts off in verse 1 where the uh, people come up to Jesus and they go, well, you're talking about this kingdom? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? And then the, uh, the Scriptures tell us, as Andrew read this morning, he, uh, he, he got a little child and he sat them right down in the middle of them and, and, and he said some very interesting things. He said, I'm going to tell you the truth. Unless you change, it's the word metanoia for repent. Unless you do a 180, unless you change, guys, you guys who are listening here, and, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You can't even fully get into it, much less enjoy it eternally without in some way, whether you use this phraseology or not in your mind, but this heart, you know, of ch continuing to change or to grow or to learn and, and become like a little child. And Andrew mentioned a lot of things that, that, that you kind of get from this that we can learn from little children. But Jesus makes it really clear in verse 4 what specific quality he's talking about. Therefore, whoever takes... The humble, uh, some of your translations will say, whoever humbles himself like this little child or takes the lowly position of this child, they're greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I just think it's very important, church and our friends who are with us, to let this one sink in. There are going to be a lot of people in your life and a lot of voices, some internal, most external, that are going to lay out to you what you need to do, what you must do, what's important, what's priority to make it to heaven or to be in, enter, and remain in God's kingdom. Here's what Jesus said. We got to keep changing and becoming like little children or we're never going to, to make that. You know, related to that, you know, if you haven't taught in children's ministry in a while or you haven't been around kids for a while, maybe we need to sign on up as things get rolling again and spend some time thinking about this and observing that in our, in our own life. We're going to go to now a passage. It's in the black letters of, of the Bible from Philippians chapter 2. I want to tell you something. This is such a towering passage of Christ and on humility. A lot of scholars will call it the Mount Everest the highest peak of understanding Jesus and then taking from Jesus and pulling it into our own life. What is most important for me and you and our family and our friends to focus on? And I really would like to invite you to open up your Bible here because I'm going to keep on reading beyond just what we could get on this slide 
all the way down through verse 11. And I want to, if you don't get anything, if you don't remember anything from, you know, from this service or from this, this lesson, other than the fact Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses, read it over and over again. Put it on a card or a notepad or your, 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 you know, your uh, desktop or however you do it where you can look at it repeatedly, study it, almost each word. It will be transformative to your own heart, to your family, to your church, any organization that you're a part of. And, and, and you, God will then work in your life just as he did in Jesus, to exalt you and to lift you up. Let's, uh, let's start reading. This is amazing. If there is any encouragement from being united in Christ, is there any comfort from being in his love and grace, any tenderness and compassion? Do you have a heart, he's saying. He goes on and he says, then make my joy complete by being, because this flows from this attitude, being like-minded, being of the same mind, being one in spirit and mind, focusing on Jesus and having humility causes us to resolve issues in our life and to not be, you know, polarized and to not be able to be in a continual conflict or un unresolved content. You, you be of one mind because how? Well, you got to keep going and get to Jesus to be able to see how we do this. But here's the essence of it. What a passage. I mean, who among us can say, wow, I have arrived here. Here it comes. Do nothing out of selfishness. Wow. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vanity or vain conceit. In other words, just thinking about yourself, looking in the mirror, how everything appeals to you. Rather, in what? Humility. Here it is. Rather, in humility. Value others above yourself. And he says, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. This is the essence of Jesus. And that's why if, you're, if you've got your Bible open and you're reading along, in the very next verse he says, now what I just said, have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And he explains it in detail. It says that Christ, although he was equal with God, get that, equal with God, in heaven, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. Because the next verse is going to say he emptied himself. He poured out all of that privilege, all of those rights, all of those things that were, were his by nature. And he made himself, what? Nothing, the Bible says. By becoming a human and by taking the nature not of an earthly king or a political figure or a great general or a terrific businessman or just a, uh, you know, a great preacher or Pharisee, but he did it by taking on the form of a servant, a common servant and slave. And he was made in human likeness and being made in, in such appearance as man, he, would, he did what? He humbled himself. Please read this passage. Please circle it. I try to read it almost every Sunday at communion. It just puts me, you know, it just informs my thinking and helps me get sorted out. It says, because he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him because of Jesus' humility. And we're called to have that same mind, that same heart. Jesus, you know, here's how he did it. 
in his day, your worth, your value, your status in your society, even in your religious group, it was by how many people served you, how many people deferred to you. And Jesus completely turns it on its head, upside down, and he says, no, the greatest among you is like a little child who humbles himself, and the greatest among you will follow my example and will lower himself, will take off his privileges and rights and get down and meet the needs around me. I won't be just focused on what I want, what I need, or what is screaming out in my hormones or in my brain or in my you know, body, but I'm going to do my best. By, you can see why you need the Holy Spirit in here, right, guys? I will do my best okay, to follow in that footsteps of Jesus and have this mind of Christ. The the radical crazy thing about this is it actually makes you happier and in more peace and more productive. You know, a lot of people worry about something like, does this mean I'm a doormat? People walk all over me. I could have no opinions. No, it just means you have the attitude of Jesus. He clearly had opinions. And he clearly had confidence. But truly, you're not, you can't figure this out in a 25-minute sermon. But you do have to wrestle with this. you got to spend time with this. Really, it takes a lifetime. And this one passage, this is so important because God has an approach on this. Basically, Peter reminds us, and he needed these own admonitions in his own life. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Then we want some grace, a lot of it. Well, We've got to crucify, you know, pride. It's so interesting how he starts off. He says, okay, in the church, because God organized us into families, and he organized us spiritually into church bodies and fellowships. And he says, you, you that are younger, straight from the Scripture, you that are younger, submit to your elders. That's an important. Elders in the church are important. Older disciples are important. And no, we're not supposed to just be wandering off doing our own thing with two or three other of our peers. We, we, we are meant to be in and learn and grow from older people. I had to really learn this because it was radically different than how I thought about life and when I became a Christian. But I'm so grateful I did. I want to tell a story here from, uh, you know, from uh, the Old Testament. It's in, uh, it's in Second, Second Kings chapter 5. And it illustrates this great point about pride versus humility. It's actually one of the more entertaining chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, this would be great for, for parents. You can, uh, you can get this, uh, have a little devotion with your kids. You can act it out. You, uh, it, it will be eye-opening to many people you're studying the Bible with because it starts off with this uh, commander. He's a general in the armies of, of Syria. Now, Syria is a thorn in the flesh to Israel and Judah all through this, this period of history. And there's this general. His name is Naaman. And the Bible actually says that God had blessed him with victory. What we have to remember, God does not just bless our, our kind of group and even people that are right with God and in the right religion. God can bless anybody he chooses to. And he, he blessed this man, and he blessed his efforts. He had leprosy, though. I mean, leprosy is so incredibly debilitating. It's a death sentence. It ostracizes people. Talk about having to put on face masks. I mean, it was way more severe, you know, than that. But something happened. You know, on one of these raiding parties that the Syrians went in and, 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 and terrorized Israel, they, they brought back some servants. And one was a young woman, and she was in the household of, uh, you know, of Naaman and talked to his wife and said, listen, there's a prophet in, in Israel. I think he could, he could actually heal 
your husband. And so what happens, Naaman goes to the king, their Syrian, and says, hey, listen, I hear about this. What do you think? And so it's, uh, this, is, this is so great. You've got to read the whole chapter. And so the, uh, he goes and he talks to the king, and the king says, all right, I'm going to write a letter to the king of Israel, and I'm just going to tell him, hey, listen, I'm sending my general Naaman. He's got leprosy. I'm going to give you some money and heal him. And it's hilarious. The king of Israel gets it, and he goes, what? What is this? I mean, this guy is coming with the equivalent of a million dollars, and he's going to give it to me, and then this, this rival king says, heal him of his le- leprosy. And the king is going, he's just playing with me. He's dro- trying to pick a fight, you know, with me. But then somebody says, you know, to him, you know, well, wait a minute, there's that guy, Elisha. Maybe you should send him to him. And he does, in fact, and Naaman and his whole entourage goes to the household of Elijah, and we take up and we read beginning in this, in this verse. So Naaman met, went with his horses and stopped at Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger out to him, go wash yourself seven times in, uh, in the Jordan and you'll be, you'll be cleansed. Now, he didn't even go outside to, to, to see him. He just sent a servant out to tell him that. And Naaman, though, he went away angry. And he said, I thought he would surely come out here, stand up here, call on the name of his God, wave his hand around, have a big miracle. We'll Instagram it around, you know, everywhere. And I'm offended. He says, are not Abana and Farfar, you know, the rivers of Damascus, better than this backwater little stream, you know, here in Israel, I'm paraphrasing, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And he turned and he went off in a rage. Now, why would he do that? Pride. Pride. Instead of humbling yourself. This is, this is something we, we, you know, we've got to really deal with. It has to do, honestly, with, with, with being corrected. You know, that's, 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 that's what we're dealing with. Naaman's, Naaman's, <laughs> Naaman's companions finally talked some sense into him, and he got washed. We'd call it getting baptized. And guess what? He was, he was healed. Uh, a major part of humility is allowing ourselves to get corrected and often to get corrected by people that are our lower status or less IQ or whatever than, uh, than we are. The whole act of baptism itself is a very, is a very humbling thing. In fact, the, uh, the scriptures teach on the very first sermon Peter preached, he says when they asked, what do we do? They were cut to the heart. They were humbled. You know, uh, he said, repent and be baptized. We're going to see one right now. Uh, Lynette was baptized on Saturday, yesterday. Let's take a look. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And where we are back at home, say amen. That's awesome. We can wrap that up. That's from the Deep South community, Gary, Indiana, Adams. You know, lead that. It's that's so encouraging. And also, uh, Sam from West Cobb, Smyrna, looks like he's, he's going to be baptized this afternoon, later on this afternoon. Okay, here we go. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Humble yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. You will receive the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of your sins. Religious pride is some of the most intense. The Pharisees missed Jesus, even though they were quite religious, but they weren't humble. Talk about, I mean, they're, they're great examples of this. We got one in our own church, I believe. Douglas Jacoby, Douglas and Vicki are leaving uh, next, uh, next week uh, in about eight or nine days. 
He's going to be with us next Sunday here. We want to be able to honor him. Uh, I appreciate Douglas because he's, he, he's, he's so wise, he's so smart, he's got a great IQ, amazingly read, you know, uh, brilliant guy, and yet has humbled himself and has submitted to the Scripture and to the body of Christ. And I'm glad we'll be able to honor him next week. Apollo, same kind of heart there in the book of Acts. Great uh, charismatic speaker and leader, but he humbled himself and, uh, and got more accurately taught on baptism. Saul himself, I mean, what a prideful, arrogant, you know, guy kicking against the goads. See, maybe he, other than the Pharaoh of Egypt, he may have been one of, the, one of the most, you know, prideful, but he humbled himself. And at some point, Moses really did too. He went ahead and took an assignment he did not want and he went ahead and, and provided leadership for God's people. And isn't that part of humility? When we're called to be able to serve and to lead and to give, and we really maybe don't really want to, but we go ahead and do it anyway, simply because we feel like it's God's, God, God's plan and God's will. I want to just you know, end here with some, uh, some practicals and then a kind of a cool uh, uh, announcement. Uh, let's see if I can get to those practicals. All right. Pray to be more humble. Can we do that? It's got to be the Holy Spirit that does it in you as well as God's Scripture. Make it a goal to be the most humble person. You know, it. that is possible because as it says in Numbers 12, Moses was the most humble person. Of course, not the most humble person in your eyes, but in God's eyes, okay? And that's a goal. We set goals all the time. How about a goal? God, I want to be the most humble I have ever, ever, ever been. And make, a, make it a list what, what humility is, what it's not. Practice the ultimate vaccine, gratitude, you know, which really is, will vaccinate us from pride. Be able to really focus on being a learner spirit. That's what a disciple means, and that's why I put this kind of humorous Yoda quote, you know. Here, let's back it up. You must unlearn what you've learned. And as older people, we got to unlearn some stuff and go back and embrace, you know, being like, uh, being like a little child. I... Uh, uh, Practice joy, Jesus first, others, others second. I, uh, I, w- I want to close out here by, by, by telling you something that had a, had a great impact, you know, on, uh, you know, on me. It's a, it's a story that I read, uh, it, it's years and years ago. There were two friends, one was an artist and one was a sculptor. And uh, the artist uh, had been asking this sculptor for years to do a sculpture of Christ. And he hesitated, he hesitated because he felt like, I'm just not worthy to do that. But finally, on the persistence of his friend, he decided, okay, I'll tackle that. I'll try to do a sculpture of, of Christ that could be, could be worthy. He worked on it months and months. And finally, you know, his friend was always trying to get a preview and get an early look at it, but he resisted. Finally, he let him in and said, okay, I'm ready for you to look at it. And so his friend, the artist, came in, and he was immediately struck by the proportion and the grace and the beauty. There's certain works of art that just draw, draw out, you know, the best in you. And he, 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 was, he was really impressed. He talked about the detail and the symmetry. And, 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 uh, but he finally asked his, his friend, the sculptor, he said, you know, there's just one thing that, that I don't understand. I can't see the face of Christ because... The sculptor himself in humility had, 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 had done the work with Christ's head bowed in prayer and with his arms sort of wrapped around it. And the, uh, the friend said, I can't see the face of Christ. And the sculptor in his wisdom and in his humility said, no, 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 no. You can see the face of Christ, but to see the face of Christ, you must get on your knees. 
And he captured in his art what every man, woman, and child needs to capture. And that is we humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You, me, all of us. I want to call up now to the stage some really humble uh, brothers and sisters and also some inspiring, you know, brothers and sisters, if they can, uh, if they can come up and, uh, and join us, you know, right now. Um, I got a, uh, an email from Sean this morning. He said, so far, six have landed in Istanbul. And what he was referring to was the fact that Revive EE has now been launched. And this is an exciting plan. We're part of the European Missions you know, Society. We had a big board meeting you know, yesterday. And Sean and Lena Wooten are, are leading this effort. It's going to be several years. And this first year, the focus is going to be on Budapest, Hungary. That is as soon as this group is going to be able to get there. And you're going to see it's, it's, it's made up by six Caleb couples, or older, we might call them shepherding-type type couples, six missionaries or people that will be, you know, supported, you know, full-time working along with Sean and Linda, and then 10 globe, you know, changers. And so you're looking at on the stage, you know, some globe changers here and some, you know, Caleb's, you know, back here. And these guys are jumping on a plane, you know, tonight, uh, most of them. Uh, Atlo's are going to wait a couple more weeks to finish up her job. And they are off to land in Istanbul and then to be able to move on to Odessa, Ukraine as they wait for the border of Hungary to open up. This is a book of Acts move, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's working it as we go along because because um, there, there are a lot of things that are being worked out. This has been worked on for well over a year. It's exciting. It's going to be explosive. And we want to recognize, you know, uh, Mark and Christy and, uh, you know, Mark and, and, and Amory here and be able to really have a prayer for them that Bob and Harold are going to be able to lead. It's humbling to be around people that have humbled themselves to say, hey, here am I. Send me anywhere I can be used. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this over to Mark. He's going to share a couple of thoughts. Thanks, Tom. Uh, hello, church, family. Uh, we are so honored to, to be a part of this. Uh, I want to speak on behalf of, of the whole team, but especially the team uh, leaving from Atlanta. And like Tom said, this is definitely... Uh, an axe sort of moment, you know, because originally the plan was we're going to get together in July at the conference and all and get to know each other and then head out in August to, to get to Budapest. Well, January, February hit and all that changed because of COVID-19 and, and just so then we had to kind of do everything on a fly and, and go from there. So we were 30 some odd folks sitting in different parts of the world, getting to learn each other's name, getting to know each other via Zoom. So we actually sat every Saturday morning and had a meeting with each other, got to know each other and learned about each other and, and just saw God work tremendously. One of the things that I think I've taken away from this particular uh, time was a lot of times when we kind of have a, a plan that we, and just kind of goes 
the way we think it does. You know, we can get ourselves in the way. We can, we can see, oh, wow, we did that. But I really think God allowed it. When, when things kind of go up in the air, we have little bumps in the roads. We really humble ourselves and see God work in the amazing things he does. So uh, for, from the team, please keep us in your prayers. We do want to thank everybody who's given to, to not only us and to get, help us get there, but to the rest of the world and the rest of the team. So God, continue to pray for us, watch for us, and just watch us on uh, Instagram and social, on the social medias of what we be posting. So thanks a lot. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, uh, we are truly humble to be in your sight, to be able to serve in this capacity. Father, I pray, God, that you will watch over the team going to Eastern Europe. Father, as you know, in that region of the world, it, it is, it, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of conflict, but Lord, you are the, the, uh, uh, the peacemaker. Father, you will put the spirit that you've put from the very beginning of time through the uh, splitting of the Red Sea, through Jesus on the cross, through each one of us getting baptized. Father, that same spirit you will continue to put in the team uh, going to Eastern Europe. Father God, I pray, God, that you will bless them. Father, I pray, God, that you will help them to be a unified, spiritual-minded, focused group, Father. Father, when the trials come, Father God, that they will dig deeper. Father God, I pray that they will rely on your spirit. They will rely on the roots of your spirit to help them, Father, through, that, through the time that they're there. Father, I pray, God, that we are, we are virtually putting our hands on them, Father, right now. And Father, as time goes, we will continue to put our hands on them, Father, and pray for them. Father God, helping them to, to see, to give them the strength to move. Father, we thank you so much for their hearts. They're so inspiring to us, Father. God, I pray you will help us all to have that mission mindset as we live our lives for you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Father, we do thank you so much for the hearts of these men and women, hearts of mission, hearts of sacrifice, and just a love for you. And on behalf of all the leaders in the church, on behalf of all the members of the church, I know we're all praying together, you will bless them. You will, you'll get them there safely, Father. When they get there, they'll adapt to the cultures quickly. They'll develop deep friendships. You'll make them fruitful and effective. And Father, when the times of loneliness hit, you'll strengthen them in their spirits. Mm -hmm. Father, that you will work through them and it will be evident to all that you, Father, are working. Mm -hmm. Father, on a different note, we do pray for the family of Nelson Davis, who was tragically killed on Wednesday night. Uh, Father, uh, walking across the street, carrying his groceries, going home in a hit and run. Uh, Father, he leaves behind uh, two sons and two daughters. And Father, extended family. We pray for the family. Uh, Father, we pray that you give them comfort at this time. And we pray that your, your, your work will be evident to all. And Father, we pray, uh, it's just so thankful that Nelson was a disciple. Uh, but Father, it is mindful, it makes us mindful of how quickly things can turn in the lives of all of us and how constantly we need to be serving and loving you. Father, lastly, uh, as we are getting ready to make our offering, we pray that you bless the offering that we give today. Thank you so much for the hearts of the disciples in this church. 
during a pandemic and not being able to see each other since March have been faithfully and continually giving, and it just shows how much they love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.